Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Today is Thursday, October 29, 2020. Today we are reading from the big book, and we're we're currently, um, we're still in Bill's story. We're on page 13, the fourth paragraph, and it begins, I was to test my thinking. And we're just going to read the, the one paragraph only. <clears throat> Today's readers, we have Sarah M. on the 12 steps, Christina O. on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text, we have Anita J., Cindy C., and Diane B. And following this meeting, our newcomer greeter is, is uh, Elena A.M., and the host for the second hour is Jen A. Okay, let me give you the share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, October 28th, uh, the 7 a.m. meeting. 15,651. That's 15651. And the 10 a.m. meeting, 15,653. That's 15653. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting. Through, through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose. And that purpose is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive uh, overeating, well, they can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let's get started with the uh, 12 steps, and I'll ask uh, Sarah M. Uh, to read those. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Larry. Sarah M. from Boston here. The 12 steps. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, I pass. 
Hey, Sarah, thanks so much for that service. And next up is Christina O. Oh, uh, she's going to read the 12 traditions. Hey, Christina, good morning. Thank you, Larry. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain, maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities pass thank you christina much appreciated okay here's how our meeting works um, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of alcoholics anonymous we read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year. For readers, it's six months. And there is no uh, abstinence requirement if you'd like to share on topic. And this meeting, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, you press star one to unmute your phone uh, once you're done sharing. Uh, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're back in the big book. We're in Bill's story on page 13, uh, the fourth paragraph. Uh, and that paragraph starts, I was to test my thinking. And we're going to read the one paragraph only. So now, without further ado, we have one of my favorite people, Anita J. Will you get us started, Anita? Thank you, Larry. We're all your favorites, I know. 
I'm Anita J. Gratefully Recovered in Massachusetts um, with the grace of God. I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself except um, as my requests bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. So the part that really has resonated each time there's something else, but this time it was, I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for directions and strength to meet my problems as they would have, as he would have me. And you know, I have done that. I wanted to tell you, early in the program, I tried I was trying to call my sponsor because um, something in the family, that's when we all were still together, the kids in high school, my husband there, somebody was driving me nuts, and I left the table and called her, and she said, I have a room full of people I can't talk. Go somewhere quiet and ask to get into God's presence. And I did it. And the first message God ever gave me was, Get up and do the dishes. Through those early years, I had a couple of other really good messages. We don't need to get into all of it, but the thing was this. One of them told me, and I knew it to my gut, that God had always been there. I used to measure by the trauma that I had as a little kid that I had repressed it was just all so bad. He had always been there. And then we had my son in a terrible accident, and he didn't ha- get anything wrong with him. Anyway, wouldn't you think I'd be one of those uh, longtime successful people? No, I'm Anita, a chronic rat relapser. And here's the difference. I was at our Region 6 convention this last weekend, and I went to the workshop. I went to you know a few things, but the one that I'll never forget was the Long Timers Workshop. And uh, there were three people who entered right around when I entered. But they listened, they got it, and they kept going. Why I didn't, I'm not going to beat myself up as the big book tells me not to, but I didn't. And so I received a lot in all these years, but I did not receive the promises. And um, But it's never too late, folks. That's what I want to tell you. And um, this is a wonderful God. I was afraid maybe he'd say something scary to me, but he never did. He never did. And with that, I pass. So thanks for getting us started, Anita. Okay, Anita read um, in Bill's story, page 13, the fourth paragraph, 
the one paragraph only, I was to test my thinking. And although we, we value your experience, uh, we ask you to, to hang back um, if you've uh, spoken in the past couple of days. And with that, um, I will take, uh, take names for who would like to share. Tina S. Janet A. Jana. A. Reva. Shelly C.R. Shelly. Christine W. From New Jersey. Janet. Uh, Janet. Okay. I think I got you, Janet, um, of second year. Here's who I heard so far. Tina. Tina, Janet, Reba, Shelly, and Christine. Did I miss a couple of people? Okay. Well, I have, uh, here's our lineup. We got Tina, followed by Janet, Reba, Shelly, and Christine. So if you are not Tina and you're not down in Florida and you don't look like Tina, if you were to meet your phones, good morning, Tina. Good morning, Larry. Thanks so much. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Well, you know, I, I wasn't going to share because I'm, I'm actually working, but I, I got off the computer. Um, you know, but this paragraph just so totally reminds me, you know, because it said, you know, all the stuff that it's telling me in this paragraph, you know, I was to test my thinking, new God consciousness, common sense, uncommon sense, you know, sit quietly, all this stuff. You know, this is all 11-step stuff. So what it tells me is I have to have done steps one through 10 to get here. Because let me just tell you, if I wasn't on step 11, I wasn't worried about a God consciousness. And I, was, and I thought my common sense was just good, thank you very much. But through the transformation that comes about through me getting out of my own way and doing a four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine especially, you know, I am a new person here. You know, already 10, you know, I've already been placed in a position of neutrality you know, safe and protected. So here when I do, you know, and I heard earlier this morning when people were saying hello, how we're doing our, you know, morning meditations before we get on the line, of course, you know, who'd have thought years ago? But today, when I don't, I'm reminded pretty quickly that I better, you know, start doing some prayer and meditation to ask God what his will is for me today. You know, and, and I loved um, Anita's share. I don't want to cross talk, but just so true. You know, all the stuff that is given to me today when I do these things, you know. And it says, never was I to pray for myself. Except, except as my request for on use my usefulness to others. How can I be of service to God? What can I do for the man who is still sick today? And I pray that every day, you know. And then, then might I expect to receive? But then, but that would be in great measure. And you know, let me just tell you, my life, I have been given, you know, so many gifts, so many gifts. But you know, what I do know is that in order to to get to to get, I must give. You know, and so, you know, today I do that graciously when, when I first got in here, I just did that so that I would get and, you know, just the transformation. I know I'm rambling, but some great stuff. I'm really looking forward to all who is to share. Oh, th thank you, Tina. Okay. I think, um, I think Harlan tried to get in there too. So I got you at the end there, Harlan, if I'm wrong, um, just text me here. Okay. So next up is Janet followed by Reva. Good morning, Janet. Hi, good morning. This is Janet B. Recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. Well, I think that's actually kind of a confusing sentence. Never was I to pray for myself. Because when I came around, I was told I had to connect with God. And I was a big mess. So to just tell me not to ask God for help when God was my help, it's, it's, it's kind of a hard thing. 
And I think it's answered um, by the minister's son's story, which is our southern friend on page 215. So I'm just going to read it real quickly because I think it kind of answers this hard question. Um, so there's a minister's son, can't stop drinking. He goes into the room of another guy and says, I got to ask you a question. How does fear fit? How does prayer fit into this thing? And the answer he got was, well, you've probably tried praying like I have. When you've been in a jam, you said, God, please do this or that. And if it turned out your way, that was the last of it. And if it didn't, you said there isn't any God or he doesn't do anything for me, right? And the minister's son said, yes. And then the guy said, that isn't the way. The thing I do is to say, God, here I am. And here are all my troubles. I've made a mess of things and can't do anything about it. You take me and all my troubles and do anything you want with me. And that answered the question for the minister's son. And that answered the question for me. I had been begging God for years in OA, out of OA, in OA. Help me, help me remove this obsession. It didn't work. Until one night, I just said, God, I'm... I am willing to do anything you say and just take me, take all my problems. I'm your woman. I know nothing. I surrender to you. And that, that changed everything. Um, it says common sense becomes uncommon sense, and that's a result of surrendering to God. So for me, I understand this as not just begging, but surrendering as much of myself to God as I'm able to at the time. And that's what made the difference. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Janet. Okay, next up is Reva, followed by Shelly. Good morning, Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. You know, the paragraph before, Bill has just completed all these steps um, up until about nine. And then the first thing I see here is I was to test my thinking. I would love to be able to do like one through nine and be finished. And I really thought when I came in, I was going to do these steps, finish up, get some kind of a certificate and get on with my life. And when I hear the words I was to test my thinking, that reminds me I have to apply this stuff and I have to practice it. And I have to, as I hear on the line, wash, rinse, repeat over and over and over. So to me, that's like, you know, step 10, which is really one through um, nine, over and over and over. And I'm never finished. um, And I'm constantly um, doing the work. And then common sense would become uncommon sense. I love this reminder. To me, that's like um, being able to differentiate the true from the false as a result of putting the food down and doing the work. So for example, common sense before doing the work was I need a fix. This is going to make me feel better. That was like common sense. That was my go-to thinking. I can handle this. I, I can do this. I can handle it. I can have this. I can have that. I can get away with you know, yelling at people. Um, and now it's like, are you kidding? If I pick that thing up, you know, I'll never stop. If I start raging at everybody, um, I'm going to make myself and everybody miserable. So the common sense, what used to be my go-to ways of thinking, are now uncommon sense. They don't make sense. I can see them as false. 
and I can see them um, for what they are. And that is a miracle of, of, of doing the work. And then I love this, when in doubt, what do I do? I used to just run around and get busy and do more um, and make myself crazier. So now when in doubt in step 11, I stop. I'm supposed to pause and ask and ask who? Ask my higher power, not Reva. Um, and what do I ask for? Care, protection, direction, and strength um, to do the right thing. Um, and then, you know, he starts segueing into step 12 where I'm, you know, asking how I can be of usefulness to others. Always re- remembering that, you know, I used to think get everything I need to make myself happy. And then I've hear, heard on the line, what am I needed for? How can I be useful to other people? And that's a way different and much deeper kind of happiness. And uh, with that, I pass. Oh, thank you, Reva. Okay, we got Shelly followed by Christine and then Harlan. Shelly, good morning. It's your turn. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. Um, this is Shelly Shelley CR, compulsive overeater in northern Minnesota, um, recovered. And this paragraph, I just love. It's you know steps ten, eleven, and twelve all together. And the first thing that you know jumps out for me is the part about testing my thinking. Um, so I would, you know, rely on myself prior to program. It was all about me and my thinking was great and my common sense was there. Um, but it wasn't. I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and and this part about testing my thinking when I first started, you know, when I first came into program and, and first reading this and working with my sponsor and um and and it was like testing my thinking, like trying to do certain things, um, trying to do certain things and see if it was in God's will. Um, and as I've grown within program, the rea- reality is that my thinking has changed because it just becomes a part of things. Like there's not an extra energy that needs to be put into it. I don't have to force things. And that's what I used to do. I used to force things to go because I wanted them to go my way. Um, so I would do everything possible for that to be the case. But now I, I don't view it so much as testing as there's a, a within me, um, uh, when I, I'm unconnected with my higher power and I allow my higher, to, higher power to work through me, things just flow. There's not there's not that um, conflict that comes up, right? And so um, it, it just is such a different experience. And then when I recognize that I do things, you know, as I do, that I want to take back my own self-will, and I step in and I um, cause conflict with other people or whatnot, like say something in an abrasive tone or whatever it is, right? But I can recognize that now. I can recognize that and I can do something about it. And again, that's part of that new God consciousness within. Um, And then moving on, this part about common sense and then about specifically sitting quietly. So I was never a person that sat quietly for anything. Um, I was constantly moving and, and part of that movement was, uh, you know, towards the end, towards the my, towards hitting my bottom, I was constantly moving by constantly going to the fridge and constantly opening the cupboards and constantly putting food in my mouth. Um, so that was a part of that. But just in general, it was that constant movement and I would not sit quietly. Um, and now being able to sit quietly in the mornings and ask for that direction and strength um, allows me to have a day that, again, flows differently. 
if there are mornings as they sometimes happen because of some reason I am kind of waking out of bed um, and I don't get a chance to do my morning prayers and meditation, first thing as the day continues, it's like, oh my gosh, what, what's happening here? Oh, this is why I woke up this morning because X happened. I didn't do my morning prayers and now here I am and I'm not, again, in line with my with my higher power's will. Um, and then, again, continuing that part about whenever I do have something going on, um, something that I'm struggling with, to be able to sit quietly, but then also to turn outwards. I can get so stuck in myself, um, but when I can offer myself to others uh, to be of service and, and put myself out there and share my experience, strength, and hope, but again, I can't share can anything that I haven't experienced. And so I'm able to do that. Um, and get out of myself. And again, all of this helps me with my serenity and my connection to my higher power. I'm so grateful for this program and have a lovely day with that. I'll pass. Oh, thanks, Shelley. Okay, we have uh, Christine followed by Harlan. Good morning, Christine. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yeah, you're coming through perfect. Great. This is Christine W. from New Jersey. But today I'm actually in Florida, so I'm already blessed. Um, I don't have to wait until I get in a jam, until I'm disturbed, in the event of emergency, break glass. Um, I can choose to test my thinking on a daily basis. And why should I test my thinking? Because I'm not sane. Step two reminds me that I have no hope for sanity without program. The big book, a lot of people say it's a textbook, an instruction manual, and I've begun to see it in my practice as a prayer book. It seems to always be pointing me to seek God's will, whatever that looks like for each individual member. As an obese child, I was not good at sports, and I'd watch people play softball, and and Jim, they'd make me go out there, right field, that's my position, Um, and I would throw out softball prayers. That's how I prayed. I would throw the ball and then run the other way. I was afraid of the ball. So I say prayer and meditation is sort of like a game of catch with a softball with God. And I was not waiting and anticipating God's answers. And a, a lot of times I was afraid of the ball. I was afraid of God's answers coming back at me. So I would throw out the prayer and then I'd run in the other direction. So in prayer and meditation, step 11, I've learned to have a conversation with God, and I heard somebody else talk about listening. I was never good at listening either, um, but this is the practice. And so how do you get good at softball? Practice, practice, practice. Um, you become not afraid of the ball. As you learn, you can catch it. Nobody's trying to kill you with it. Um, and the same thing with God's replies. I'm learning to anticipate them, look forward to them, Um, and welcome them. On Friday nights here in New Jersey, um, I started an 11-step meeting so that we could all uh, OA members practice this essential uh, skill of prayer and meditation. Um, We use an AA format, and um, we make it a habit. And um, sometimes I remember early in um, program before I learned this skill, I would stand there with my hand on the refrigerator and look up up at the ceiling, and this was my prayer, God, throw me a bone, (laughs) and um, he'd always answer, and uh, just uh, a wink to Anita, 
he often did tell me to do the dishes. That's all I have. Thanks. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Christine. Okay, uh, next up, please uh, welcome new Cubs general manager, Harlan <laughs> Z. I wish, good morning, I wish Harlan. I had that. Good morning, Larry. Thank you very much for your service this morning, and thanks to Team Thursday. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is step 11, only step 11. This is the blood and guts of it, and this paragraph will be repeated with different words, but the same sentiment on page 87 when we get to, to step 11. Behind every great man is a great woman, and in this case, the great woman is Ann Smith. And Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson during June, July, August, and most of September of 1935 would sit in the kitchen <coughs> excuse me, at 855 Ardmore Street in Akron in Dr. Bob's house, and they would be rushing out to the hospital to see if there was somebody else that they could give their program to. And Ann Smith would stand at the front door and point to the chairs in the living room and say, you boys haven't had your quiet time today. Meditation had a different connotation back in 1935. What it meant was being quiet. It meant that they had to be quiet. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself, except as my request bore on my usefulness to others, then only might I expect to receive, and that would be in great measure. These sentiments are all over the book, particularly the top of page 63 in the Third Step Promises, and of course in excuse me, page 87. But let's take a look at Appendix 3 on page 570. Let's go to the back of the book if you, if you have it. Uh, the paragraph beginning with Dr. W.W. W. Bauer, and I'm going to dip down here, and I'm going to cut, cut down a couple of sentences here, and I'm going to come to the sentence that says they help others. They help others with similar problems, drinking. In this atmosphere, the alcoholic often overcomes his excessive concentration upon himself, learning to depend upon a higher power and absorb himself in his work with other alcoholics. He remains sober day by day. By day. The days add up to weeks, the weeks into months and years. I am trusting God in a way I've never trusted him before. I woke up every day and I had a list of what I wanted and needed. And if I got them, I would say, okay, God, I'm willing to believe in you. And if I didn't, then it was screw you, God. And I cannot pray for others and serve others in a sick, alanonic, codependent way. I've got to do it in a way that's healthy. And what's the difference? Expectations of results. Expectations of results. That's what I must be devoid of. When I want to throw results and expectations up there, now I'm sick. I pray for others with no expectation of results for myself. And this is the guts of step 11. And this is pure Oxford group. And this is a revolutionary perspective on thought. For the first time in my life, I'm not praying to God as if he was a genie in a bottle. 
I'm praying to him as if he was the spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Arlen. Okay, let me tell you where we're at, uh, so that, and then we'll take some names. Page 13, the fourth paragraph in Bill's story here, I was to test my thinking, the one paragraph only. And if you haven't shared in the past couple of days, um, uh, give me your name and, and last initial, if you would. Holly G. Pete and Holly. Holly G. Rachel K. Rachel. Rick J. Okay, and Rick, let me stop there, and I'm going to tell you who I heard, and with uh, sincere apologies uh, for who I didn't. I heard Pete, I heard a Holly, Shlomi Hanna, Kelly, Rachel, Karen, and Rick. Um, I hope I heard those correctly, but we're going to go with that and kind of see where we're at from there. So let's start off with Brother Pete. Hey, Pete, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thanks for calling on me, and thanks for taking the meeting. My name is Keith B. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy, and I'm in Pennsylvania. And uh, a lot of great shares this morning, really good stuff. And, you know, I like this. It says, I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Right? Like, I, I, you know, I used to think of pray, prayer, prayer to me was I would ask God to change my circumstances rather than change me, right? Like fix this, make this go away, right? And what I've come to understand through working this program, aligning my will with God's and continuing to develop and nurture that relationship, that my problem, the problem, I'm not, I'm not seeking for God to change my circumstances. I'm not seeking for God to change, you know, the way things are. I'm seeking for the God of my understanding to change me, right? To, to, help, me, to help me see this challenge as an opportunity for growth and an opportunity to be an example of my God's love, my God's will, and my God's way of life, right? Like, that's what it's asking us here. Like, the only power that the God of my understanding has given me is the power of example. And when I look at my challenges, when I look at, my, when I look at the circumstances of my life as the opportunity to demonstrate to my fellows and the people about me the power, the love, the, 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 the capabilities of the God of my understanding, well, then my, the circumstances are changed, Right. You know, if I could, I could, uh, you know, I could sit outside and I could, well, if it's raining, right, let me pray that the rain goes away, right? Well, the, the, you know, the, the inspiration may be start building a boat, right? Like, like you, you have to, we have to remember, like, we don't know the grand scheme of things. We'll never know the grand scheme of things. And all of these problems, all of these things that I want to change, I have to recognize they're in my life and they're in, they're happening for a reason. And for me, that reason is, again, is to be a demonstration, right, of my God's love, my God's will, my God's way of life. So the challenges that, 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 we, that we face, the, the things that present, like the common sense, this is a catastrophe. Oh, my God, how could this happen? Well, those are all the opportunities that I have to embrace and look at as an opportunity so that I can demonstrate to my fellows just how, how turning, their life and, uh, turning my life and my will over to care of God has done for me. And then with, with, with that attitude, I've found that, you know, no matter what count, no matter what comes down the pipe, no matter what it is, 
as long as I'm changing, as long as, long as I'm looking at it as an opportunity for growth, it will always be used for positive. And with that, I'll pass. Oh, thanks, Pete. Okay, next up we have Holly on deck. We have Shlomi Hana. Holly, good morning. I hope I heard a Holly. Holly, press star one. Maybe I didn't. Okay. Well, um, let's go on then to uh, Shlomi Hanna followed by Kelly. Uh, Shlomi Hanna, good morning. Hi. Shlomi Hanna, there you are. Sorry about that, Larry. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thanks, everybody, for being on this meeting. And Larry, you must be a great guy because my father's name was Larry and my husband's name is Larry. So Larry's are generally awesome people. Um, anyway, um, I'm Shlomi Tanabi. And um, there's so much in this paragraph that really catches my attention. But um, I think what really stood out to me, first of all, was the line that said, Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. You know, part of having faith in a power greater than myself means that when I have a problem, when I think things are a certain way, that I have to let my thinking go. And it's almost like, you know, tossing a whole bunch of pencils up in the air and letting them fall the way that they're going to fall. Um, that, you know, it's counterintuitive to not, I guess, to not depend on my own thinking. But that's the truth. I cannot depend on my own thinking. And I have to give that away. And I have to give that to God. And by by not depending on my own thinking, I can have that faith and let things go. And in the second line, it says, I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. You know, in the fear inventory, it says, God, what would you have me be? And when I pause and I sit quietly and really concentrate and ask, God, what would you have me be? And I'm quiet, then I can let God in. Because I have to let my thinking go. I can't keep my thinking, you know, I can't think that I can solve my own problems. Because if I could, then I wouldn't be here. Really, it's up to God and it's up to me to turn things over to God. And it's great to be reminded of that today. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Oh, thanks, Shlomi Hanna. Um, Actually, uh, thanks for the kind words. Uh, my sweetheart in Littleton would tell you otherwise. But anyway, next time we got Kelly followed by Rachel. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Larry. This is Kelly G, Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Florida. Um, I love this paragraph. I, you know, I so relate um, to test my thinking. My thinking is what got me here. Um, and for me, half the time in recovery, it is to probably think one thing and then God's will would be the opposite. 
the further along I get in recovery, my will, my thoughts become more and more aligned with God's will. But in the beginning, and sometimes, right, because it's progress, and also I'm not fully cured from this disease in my mind. My mind will always have a sick mind, but more and more it becomes aligned with God's will. And, you know, as someone shared, I was to sit quietly. I have no idea what that means. I recently got a new puppy, and my puppy loves to chase its tail and goes in circles and circles and circles, and then it falls. I'm laughing because it looks insane, but that image is what happens inside of me. And to sit quietly was the most most torture. It was like a death sentence for me. I'd rather do anything else. And for me, I was scared of my own thoughts. And I had to learn to sit quietly because I was so indecisive. I was all over the place. Should I do this? Should I do that? Is this job the right job? Is this job not the right job? So then I said, fine, I'll sit quietly. And I would only pray for things that I wanted. God, please show me the best job opportunity. Or no, not even that. But God, please have me keep this job. Or God, please find me a new job. And if it didn't happen, I was like, you know, this whole God thing I hear people talk about, you know, everything God's given for them when they've asked, and it just isn't my case. So I tested God, and I said, God, if this works out, then I'll believe you. It was so conditional. And when things didn't work out, it was just kind of God was pushed to the side. And today, I pray, God, if this is your, if this is your will for me, please have it happen. If it's not, that's okay, too. Just show me the next right move. And that is praying in the right manner so God can do his work. And, um, you know, for example, too, if I had prayed, God, please don't let me be fired from this job. And I got fired from my job, but then got a way better job. That is God. But if I stopped in the moment of God made, God, God wasn't there because I got fired then I wouldn't have the beauty I have that came after that because I would have been shut off. Um, and today, it's all about me praying for others, you know, praying for people that I love, praying that I can be of help to somebody today. Because if I pray, God, please make me happy, that's, that's so empty. That, that's a dead end. But if I pray for someone else and then in turn comes happiness, that's what it's about. So I really had to learn to change when I sat quietly, what my words, directions, thoughts were for my higher power today. Um, and then it comes back. And everything I really wanted that I didn't necessarily pray to God for, but prayed indirectly to others, it comes back. It, it happens. And the only way I can hear that and feel that and experience that is those, those quiet moments where I just shut up and listen. And the quiet in my mind does not come at all, always. So if anyone's out there and they're like, I've tried to sit quiet, it just doesn't work. I'm thinking of everything else under the sun. Me too, me too. But those glimpses, as long as you do the footwork, those glimpses of clarity and God's voice does come. Um, and sometimes you gotta be super quiet in order to hear. But as long as I do the footwork of sitting quietly, it happens. It happens. So thanks for letting me share.
Oh, th- <clears throat> thanks so much, Kelly. We have Rachel followed by Karen and then Rick. Rachel, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for calling on me. This is Rachel in California. And um, I feel like I'm just going to reiterate what everybody else has said, but <laughs> I love this paragraph. It's funny how, I'm sorry if this is crosstalk, how everybody kind of has their own image of what their brain is when it spins, um, the puppy chasing its tail. I think of, for those of you who are old enough and remember this movie, the, the Wicked Witch of the West, when she's bicycling in the tornado and you hear the music, that's what my brain does like in the morning. And, and, you know, I wish upon awakening, the first thing was, you know, just calm, considering my plans for the day. No, you know, like this, and sometimes it does, but sometimes I wake up and I have a resentment or sometimes I wake up um, and I usually have, you know, about at least 15 minutes before the meeting starts and I, I check my email and, oh my gosh, this is out of stock that I ordered. Okay. Uh, and I'm off work today. So uh, I need to run to the store and get it. And sh- I should call beforehand and find out who has it. And that's my brain. God speaks to me in, in much more quiet much less complicated tones. I've heard it said, you know, in, in short declarative sentences. And once I got quiet, um, you know, I heard my higher power say to me, you, you've already made a plan for today. It's a good plan. Follow it. You know, just the next right thing. Um, you know, I already have a plan for my unstructured time, what things are for a priority for me to do today. First thing is to get on this meeting you know, my first priority is is always to make sure, you know, I'm entirely abstinent to make sure that I am doing God's will as I understand him um, and praying for. And I like where it says praying for the strength. Let me pull that up. Oops, I lost it. Praying for um, direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. You know, it's it's because of myself, I am nothing. The Father doeth the works. I have to remember that always, always, always. Um, I am powerless, not only over food. That's just, you know, that's step zero and one. Uh, I'm powerless over everything. I'm powerless over my desire to do my will, to, to spin in my head and think, no, I've got to do this. No, this is a priority. No, I want to do this. Ooh, look at that shiny object in my head, you know, to go towards that. Um, and I, I'm completely powerless. But if I just am quiet and listen, God gives me direction and strength to, to follow his will um, and make my will align better with his will. So uh, I forgot to set a timer, but that sounds like enough for me. Thanks a lot. This is Rachel in California, and I pass. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks so much. Okay, Karen, I don't know if today if my credits can transfer, but good morning, Karen. (laughs) Good morning, Larry. My name is Karen Kay from Syracuse, New York, and my credits do not transfer. However, my God did. Yeah, um, it's all about God speaking to me, and he works through every one of you during the meeting, pops up on a song, works through a sponsee. Oh, my God, yesterday I had such a breakthrough with someone that I was working with, 
and it was so powerful. I remain teachable. My God wants me to remain teachable every day, wants me to be loving every day. If I come with a forgiving and loving heart, then God's door just goes wide open like a waterfall. Because my way did not work. God's way always works. And when I pray, it could be yes, no, maybe, wait. And sometimes I don't wait is not my uh, strong suit. Wait is not my strong suit. So, yeah, I spend that time with God, but it's all throughout the day. I have to pause. You know, I meditate like four or five times a day, especially between the Zoom calls that I get, because I have to be a maximum service for those people. Because I owe away so much. I didn't get it in 30 years in the other 12-step program. God blessed me instantly with a spiritual awakening and remained without the food. But when I got into a vision for you, I found sobriety, all that neutrality. And sometimes my day started at 4.30 or 5.30 in the morning because people from abroad start calling me. God brings them to me. So I had to get up even a little bit more earlier for that quiet time. And I love all of you, and I need each and every one of you. And who is not, who, if anybody who's not shared, please speak up. I need every one of you. With that, I'll pass, Larry. Uh, thanks, Karen. Okay, next up, we got Rick J. Hey, Rick, are you cured yet? Uh, hey. Hey, Larry. <laughs> uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm uh, Rick J. in Cary, North Carolina. I'm recovered, but uh, I did uh, realize just now I am not cured, as my dear friend says. And, um, yeah, thank God, because uh, if if I were cured, then uh, I would uh, I would be back in the food again really quickly. So um, I, I love this. Um, you know, this uh, everybody shares, you know, talking about step 11. And, you know, and that's what uh, 11 is all about. You know, we're, we're just continuing, continuing, you know, to seek through um, prayer and meditation, you know, to improve that conscious contact uh, with the God of our understanding, the God of our understanding that we came to that, that was that worked for us, that was real for us. Nobody else, just us. And for me, you know, it was uh, a relationship that is, is very dynamic and it keeps growing. And I'm, that's really all I'm wanting right now. You know, that's the difference between what I'm doing now with the steps and what I used to do, which was basically, you know, acknowledge them and have serious discussions about them and, you know, love that they were there and then not really apply it in my life um, on a daily basis. So, and that's what I'm doing now to the best of my ability. Um, and I love that, you know, the, um, you know, those directions that we get on 86 and 87, you know, we get to start our day with God. And, uh, you know, when we, we just get our, our thinking aligned, you know, I think of that, uh, the spiritual alignment and that's how I, I visualize it in the morning is just, uh, you know, just spiritually aligning myself and, and being quiet and, and saying prayers and going through these directions. And sometimes I put them in my own words and my own prayers um, which I have the freedom to do that. I'm so grateful for that, you know, and, and I love the, um, 
you know, some of the, the words on there is like my thought life is going to be, you know, on a, a higher plane. You know, it's talking about my thinking. It On 86 and 87, it, you know, it says the word thinking and inspiration over and over. You know, I mean, I want my thinking to be elevated to this new plane of inspiration. And the way I do that is to keep connecting. And now I've, I've done something a little bit different. Um, what I do is is I pause all the time, you know, whether I'm in doubt, I mean, I just want to keep connecting. So what I want to do is, is for that conscious contact to just keep, keep connecting all through the day. And so since I am so ADD that I'll forget all about this, and I know some of you've heard me share this and it's a little silly sometimes when I speak it out loud, but I, I set my timer. And it's every hour for me, and I've got these nice little chimes that go off. And so, and I'm trying to train myself. I actually thought that I I didn't need my timer anymore, and then two or three days went by, and I'd forgotten all about it. So I realized that yeah, no, I've I've got to keep this timer going. But so what happens is, you know, there are things that flare up for me during the day, and and I'm just instinctively pausing. But what I'm doing now is when my little chimes go off, I I literally just have a moment. And it may not actually happen in that moment if I'm with a customer or something, you know, that's just, I can't always do this, but it, it reminds me that I am connecting with God. And sometimes the only thing that I'll do in this brief little pause is, you know, I'll say the words, I trust you. <clears throat> and, you know, those are the words that were the hardest for me is, you know, faith was one thing, trusting God was another. Um, and, you know, God is in the pause. I, I heard that one time, and I love that. That's, That's where I find God. And um, so I'm going to keep connecting all the time. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Larry. Oh, thanks, Rick. Okay, we've got time for one more uh, two-minute share. Who who wants that slot? Uh, Beth M. Oh, good. we got Beth M. We were waiting for you, Beth. Good morning, Beth. Hi, this is Beth M from uh, California, and um, thank you everyone for for everything you shared because um, I'm one of those people that when I'm meditating, my mind's going a million miles a minute, and and I needed the reminder again today, though I've had it often from my sponsor that I need to pause, and it's okay if my mind is going crazy in in the morning, and. Um, that it's the progress, not the perfection. And eventually I will hear, you know, that still small voice and I'll get directed. And when things don't go my way, I, I got the reminders from all of you again today, that that my way might not be um, the correct way for everyone, even though I wish I was able to uh, know everything and um, or I think sometimes I do know everything that's best for people and I don't and um, I got a reminder of that today and so I'm going to do a lot of praying for that situation and thank you everyone for being here. Oh, thank you Beth. That's a great way to wrap up the meeting this morning and I just want to uh, thank uh, first um, team, what are we, team Thursday for the uh, month of October. Thank you to everyone for the beautiful service that you do. And thank you for everyone who, who participated today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today is 15,660. That's 15660. And we are now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164. 
uh, followed by the serenity prayer. And uh, Cindy C., would you do that uh, service for us? Yes, I will, Larry. This is Cindy C., Pleasant Valley, New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.